you know, we need to, as a church, be where the action is. We need to stop thinking church is just having people come to, to our building. We need to be out in the community. We need to be on uh, the internet. Uh, you know, we need to, to start thinking about church in a different way. Okay. Okay. One, two, ready, go. Welcome to the Called to be Bad podcast. My name is Mariah Martin, and I feel called to be bad. It turns out I'm not the only one. Join us as we dig into all things bad, scandalous, deviant, you know, the stuff that makes good church folks squirm in the sanctuary. Why? Well, because sometimes the scandalous is spiritual, deviant is divine, and bad is beautiful. Say yes to the call, and let's see what holy trouble we get into today. Hello, Glenn. Hello. How are you doing, Mariah? Good. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so um, much for having me. Of course. Um, so everyone, this is Glenn Guyton. Um, he began his journey with the Mennonite community after joining Calvary Community Church in Hampton, Virginia, while serving as an officer in the United States Air Force. Um, after an encounter with Titus Peachy, who is an MCC worker, and guidance from his pastor, uh, Bishop L.W. Francisco III, yep. Glenn left the military. And 25 years later, he became the first BIPOC person to serve as the executive director of Mennonite Church USA, which is how I, I don't actually know if we've ever met officially. You know, I, I don't know. I don't remember talking to you. I think I would remember you, uh, but <laughs> I, so I don't think we've uh, actually talked. So this is our first time talking. Yeah, well, I've I've heard you speak, but um, but yeah, no, I don't think we've actually ever met. So nice to meet you, Glenn. <laughs> nice to meet you virtually. So n- next time I'm in your area, we'll have to get some coffee or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so in addition to being a leader in the church under the umbrella of Guy Star Enterprises LLC, which I feel like sounds like something like Tony Stark would would do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like Iron Man. That sounds like his company. I love that. Um. Glenn works with organizations and leaders to help them reap the benefits that come with being more diverse, inclusive, and culturally competent. Um, Glenn has also authored two books, Ideal Me, Discovering Your Call in a Cluttered World, a cultural guidebook for youth, young adults, and those who support them. Hey, there it is. I, that's a book I, I feel like I wish that I would have read like in high school or oh, it's, it's, it's still relevant. You can still get it and read it. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. And then also he has a book that is uh, you can pre-order now. Well, and by now I mean in May. So it'll probably be out by the time we release this. And that's Reawakened. Yes. Activate your congregation to spark lasting change. Yeah, that sounds excellent. And we'll probably hear a little bit more about that book later on. But first, I want to hear, Glenn, what are you drinking today? Uh, I just happen to be drinking uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So just coffee and cream, no sugar. For some reason, I stopped drinking coffee with sugar during the pandemic. I don't know what happened, but oh, I just, I just stopped drinking it. Now it's just cream and coffee. You are craving more bitterness? I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, it's not bitter. It's good. It's, this is good coffee. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I am also drinking, I, I say bitter like it's a bad thing, but I just drink straight up black coffee. So okay. I, it's a good bitter to me. Okay. And I'm drinking my regular black coffee um, that I get from the co-op and it's in a Heston College mug today. I see. I guess I see. I'm okay. repping, um, what's it called? My alma mater. I went to Heston. Okay. And, and oh, yeah, I like, I like Heston. Good people yeah, there. it's a good, it's a good place. Hello, beloved baddies. 
A quick break to tell you that this episode is sponsored by the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul, a nonprofit that supports and amplifies the voices of Edgewalkers through art that catalyzes change, laughter that brings us together, and soul awakening to the creative spark within us. The support from the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul has meant the world to this podcast, so I highly encourage you to check out their website, arthumorandsoul.com, to see their other featured artists and projects. If you want to support the podcast, you can check out our Patreon or get in touch. Now I'll let you get back to this episode of Called to be Bad. So when I first started talking to Glenn about what his bad topic would be, he first said that he does a lot of DEI work and that we could dive into one of those topics. And I'm not going to lie. I don't know how I didn't know this, but it's fine. You don't know what you don't know. I didn't know what that meant. So I Googled it and it stands for diversity, equity, inclusion. Right, right, right. Um, And so we often start by defining our terms. Um, So how do you, Glenn, use the terms diversity, equity, inclusion in your work? Yeah, well, maybe I should start off by saying that there's an analogy out there that I absolutely hate, right? Uh, There's an analogy that says uh, diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. And, and I think that's such a like a colonial way of thinking about this work that it's almost like like you're some tender southern belle or something and someone's inviting you to the cotillion. Hey, will you please dance with me, sir? You know, <laughs> that's why I feel like that analogy is messed up. But I said, you know, diversity is 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 really just is variety, right? That's that's what diversity is. There are all types of of diversity. Uh and so if you use that um maybe that anal- analogy, you know, diversity may be being invited to a, a party, but inclusion is really uh, leveraging the gifts and talents of that uh, diverse group of people. And so uh, it's not just being invited to the dance, but it's being on a, the, on the planning committee, you know, helping plan the music, choose, helping to choose the venue is really being a part of the process. Uh, and so then as we move to, to equity, uh, equity is really about, uh, bringing balance back to systems uh, that have been uh, typically unjust. And I do think that you have to apply some level of common sense uh, when you rebalance the scales, Uh, but it's it's not equality, right? Equality is everyone's equal, but when the playing field is, is uneven and when people have historically lagged behind, you need something to help people catch up to, to, to even things out uh, in, in with justice in mind. Right. Yeah, there's the, that famous um, graphic where it's like showing little kids trying to see over a fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Equality is like they're all on the same level, but some of the kids are shorter than the others, so they can't see over the fence. Right. And then um, and then I guess equity would be like giving them the, the height that they need to see over the fence. Exactly. And then I forget, there's one that says, okay, why aren't we just taking down the fence? <laughs> um, right, right. Which I don't know what that would be. Um, yeah. justice. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Why not remo- remove the, the barriers, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, that is how you use diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. right. Um, you had also said that we could talk about racism in the church or oh. the gospel cloaked in white supremacy. Um, yes. so I'm curious how racism and white supremacy relate to your DEI work. Um, and what do you mean by the gospel cloaked in, in white supremacy? Yeah, so so racism, you know, again, when I talk about racism, I talk about a systemic misuse of power mm. based on race. Uh, I'm not t- talking about simple prejudice or 
discrimination or somebody doesn't like you. Uh, that's that's often not the problem in, in church, right? Because we love everyone. We love everyone <laughs> and we want to be friends, everyone. But we do have these uh, these systems of of uh, abuse of power, uh, power imbalance. Uh, you know, many times maybe the church may be diverse, but the leadership is mon- more monocultural or comes from a, a certain leadership paradigm. And so often in our theology, we uh, we adopt systems that are with only one cultural viewpoint. So uh, the music that we sing, uh, you know, I've, I've even been a part of uh, some conversations in the church where we were talking about the new hymnal that came out with uh, from mental media and some people had mixed views on it. Uh, but one of the viewpoints was that, you know, that this is, this is our theology, uh, that these songs are part of our theology and, and we really need to, you know, really focus on these songs and that, the church was really in good shape when all the songs were in German. And I, I just really wanted to laugh. I'm like, I don't have any problem with the songs being in German, but I don't know German. I, I'm, my heritage is not uh, from, from Germany. And so if if our whole uh, theological foundation is built on singing in German, you're going to leave me out. And so <laughs> and so it's not that stark. You know, most people aren't uh, asking us to sing in German, but they are asking us to sing in a certain style. And we have elevated that style of, of worship in some parts of our church to to be a uh, canon. Uh, you know, if you don't sing this way, if you don't uh, speak this way, if you don't lead this way, you are somehow less than or even ungodly. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you have any type of different ex- expression of how you connect and relate to God, you're missing missing something. Right. Instead of like cleanliness is next to godliness, it's like whiteness is next to, to godliness. And, and a certain type of whiteness, I, I would think right. in like, you know, if I think about the Mennonite church, which, you know, I'm I'm a part of. And so, yeah. And, and then that does spread to other areas. Uh, you know, I think the white evangelical movement, uh, I think is really, really clear how closely ingrained politics and theology have become intertwined in our society. And so uh, only certain expressions of uh, our faith are, are acceptable. Uh, and, he, and even those have to line up with our political views. And so there is a, a sense of, of white supremacy, white superiority that has creeped into our religious circles. Um, and, you know, you see it from some of the maybe mega church pastors and kind of how they how they preach. And, you know, I've always wondered about these large mega churches that regularly I'm not I'm not opposed to churches being of a large size, but churches that regularly fleece people. And, you know, a lot of times you have these white leaders and uh, you just have, you know, marginalized people that are part of the, the congregation. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you also have uh, BIPOC leaders uh, who fleece people, too. I don't, I don't want to say that doesn't happen, but but usually that system has been based on uh, being mentored by these other powerful uh, people in the white evangelical movements. Right. And so in order to kind of um, combat this um, monolith in leadership and um, churches have tried to push towards being more diverse, incorporating different music, um, trying to uh, make their pews more inviting to different types of people. Uh, But then churches often get um, critiqued for performative diversity. Um, so what is what does that look like and um, how can churches practice diversity in actually like authentic and intentional ways, not just diversity for diversity's sake? Yeah, yeah. Because, again, diversity is just variety. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so I think we have to be intentional and really communicate what our goals are when we talk about diversity. What are we looking at? Are we looking at socioeconomic diversity, uh, which is also a problem for churches? Are we thinking about racial diversity? Are we thinking about ability, identity with, with people? You know, some, some churches aren't suited for people that have uh, various physical uh, uh, abilities uh, to even come into the building of church. Or if you're deaf, you know, can you worship at a certain church? So first off, we just have to be honest about what we mean when we're talking about uh, diversity. And then we have to figure out what are the opportunities to share power? Uh, that's, that's often where we, uh, you know, hesitate. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, we, we, well, we can't share power. They don't know as much as we do, or, you know, well, you know, we started this church and, you know, how are we going to let other people come in, you know, their viewpoints or how they do business or operate is much different from ours. And so that's where uh, the problems happen when you really start moving beyond just the window dressing or, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a Spanish singing day. Hey, we're going to sing an African song today uh, versus, Hey, how do we grow and mentor people uh, from these different cultural t- traditions into our, our leadership structure. And then what do we need to change about our leadership structure in order for uh, these communities to be effective in our, in our church? Mm, yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that sometimes when we talk about diversity, because um, you know, there, there's a lot of talk around racism, we just automatically move to racial diversity, but there's right, right. so much more to that. We did an episode on here about ableism and accessibility in the church, where we talked about some of those ways um, to make the church more accessible uh, and open to, to all sorts of different types of people. Yeah. Um, and and con- context matters too, in some of this, you know, depending on where you're located, I mean, you, you may not have access to different ethnic groups. Uh, mm-hmm. so, some churches are able to do that more, especially if you're in a large, you know, metropolitan, you know, urban area, you can have more racial diversity, you know, right. ethnic diversity. But if you're in rural Kansas, you may not have those, that type of opportunity. So you know, just be mindful of that. You're not going to be, you're not going to just like bust people in. Hey, let's just bust some black people into our, our church on Sunday morning, but we, we won't have any relationships with them. We'll just bust them in. They come and worship them. Then we bust them back out. That, that, that doesn't really make sense. Right. Yeah. It does seem like, were you going to say more there? No, no. no, Okay. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of um, diversity efforts are really just to get more people in the pews. And they're like, well, I guess if you want different types of people, sure, we'll we'll just get as many people in the doors. And that, I feel like, um, is a recipe for disaster, in my my opinion. And, and you know, you can can form relationships and have diverse experiences for your, for your, your members in different ways. It doesn't just mean uh, assimilation. That's the model, right? That's the model we, we normally want. Let's just get people in our space doing stuff our way. No, right. that's not always effective. Uh, you know, you can, you can set up partnerships. You can uh, create sponsorships with, with different organizations. Uh, you can go to other people's space. Uh, you know, sometimes we need to get out of the church. Uh, you know, that's, and I think that's what like COVID, right? COVID has mm-hmm. kind of helped us understand we need to be able to engage and re- reach people in different ways. Uh, right. I mean, that's that's one of the, the main focal points of my book is that, you know, we need to, as a church, be where the action is. We need to stop thinking churches, just having people come to, to our building. We need to be out in the community. We need to be on uh, the Internet. Uh, you know, we need to, to start thinking about church in a different way. Yeah. OK, so you talked a little bit about about your book. So how does... Um, are there other ways that your passion for um, DEI work shows up in your book? 
Um, I mean, that's the that's the main thing. You know, I, I think that what I, you know, try to uh, to do is incorporate this this kind of um, more of an intercultural mindset in everything that I do. Sure. Uh, again, you know, diversity is not just about you know race, but it's it is our our understanding how we see the world, how we interact uh, with the world. You know, I say culture is the way we do things around here, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what culture is. So wherever here is, that's you know, you have your your culture. So how do you start bridging those gaps to effectively uh, do ministry? You know, how do you teach and train people? Uh, what is your intentionality uh, when you are seeking leaders? When you're seeking to to grow and engage your community, and then understand like who you are. That's a big part of, of with diversity and inclusion. I think it's understanding who you are and not being threatened by other people. I'm very comfortable, you know being Glenn. And, uh, you know, and older I get, the more comfortable I get being me. Uh, that's the, I think that's the blessing of, of being, getting older for one thing, but the earlier you can get comfortable in your own skin and, and, and uh, you won't be threatened by other people. I right. think that's a big part of the, some of the polarizations in our church. We feel like it has to be, or in, in our churches and in our society, you know, if you're not with me, you're against me. No, not necessarily. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, we, you know, sometimes I'm with you on this issue and sometimes I don't, I'm not with you on another issue, but that doesn't mean that my whole identity is based on me being, you know, red or blue or, you know, black or white or, you know, East Coast, West Coast, whatever, you know, we create these, these artificial separations that are un- unnecessary. But I think part of it is just because we we, we're not comfortable being us. We're not comfortable disagreeing with people. Uh, we're not comfortable understanding that, that if the world was, just thought like we did, it, it, you know, in every single way, we, we wouldn't get anywhere. We wouldn't have any progress. Right. So, so even as I think about leadership, I talk about leadership in a book, you know, leaders really need to be confident, uh, you know, that they have a, a vision to lead that God speaks to them, but that doesn't mean that you can't have folks on your team to threat, not to threaten you, that challenge you. You shouldn't be threatened when people challenge you. Mm. No one on my staff, or I would say at least my senior leaders, leaders, you know, uh, none of my senior leaders would feel uncomfortable questioning something that I said. They challenge me all the time. You know, yeah. you know, they call me out on stuff. If I'm wrong, they don't have any problem telling me they think I'm wrong. And mm-hmm. I don't have any problem telling them that, hey, well, I think you're wrong. We're going to do this. Or sometimes I say, you're right. I am wrong. Let's do it your way. I think that's that's a healthy understanding of how we need to interact and uh, have a sense of who we are and who God has called us to be. Mm-hmm. And then we can live into that you know, these more diverse and inclusive environments. So cultivate an environment in your leadership where um, it's okay to challenge the leaders, the maybe the head pastor, and it's okay mm-hmm. to ask questions. Um, and that's what actually pushes growth. Um, yeah, yeah I, I've noticed that I think for a lot of people, church is kind of their safe place. And in that, it never changes. You mm-hmm. know what to expect when you show up. You know that, yeah. you know, X person is going to be sitting right in their spot and that they're going to sing a little too loud, a little off key. And, yeah. you know, you know, the order of worship, it never changes. Yeah. Um, and I think people really like that. And especially like in a pandemic, when it feels like everything is is shifting, they like church not to change. And I think that's why a lot of churches have been getting a lot of pushback during the pandemic because people feel like they can control the church. Like it's theirs to, to control. Um, and so it's hard when the changes start, start showing up. And, and, you know, I, I get that, but um, how do you, how do you ease people into like this kind of change, necessary change? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a song. Give me, give me that old time religion. You know that song. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time. Good enough for me. It was good for my old father. You know. So that's that's kind of like the mindset, right? That we yeah. have. We want that old time religion, but right. things do need to change. And and not that the word of God needs to change. That's what people get scared and change. Oh, you're trying to rewrite the Bible, or you know, you're changing the words around. No, that's not what what we're saying. But even Jesus responded to the, the the culture and the context of the time. He was he mm. was aware of that, and so we have to be aware of that as 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 uh, Christians. I think that's why you have to have good leaders. Mm. Uh, every 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 pastor is not a good leader, and that's probably a shame. Uh, you 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 do need leadership. I think you need more flexible leadership structures. Uh, churches have really become too bureaucratic, and we've uh, you know I don't know adopted these political structures. It just always baffles my mind that we adopt all these votings and boards and in committees and all those things I, i'm not sure scripturally where that comes from but you know we've eased into that tradition um i'm a i'm a real big proponent of um, collaborative leadership but i do believe in leadership uh i believe god calls leaders uh, you know managers are a different thing mm. but you have to have people with vision that are willing to you know kind of push ahead uh kind of I don't want to say blaze the trail, but you, you do need trailblazers too. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you discount, uh, you know, wise counsel that you don't consult with people as you, as you lead. But you have to have someone that has a vision to say, "Hey, this is how we continue to move move forward." And all of us will move uh, at, at a different pace. I also think a good leader has a good sense of pace, you know, for the mm-hmm. community that they're called to. You, you know, you, you you can't run too far ahead of your. Uh, the, the group that you're called to to lead. And so as, as a leader, you have to figure out how to motivate and inspire people to continue to, to move forward while, while at the same time honoring uh, the past that, that they got you there to got you, got you, you to where you are. Uh, so it's a delicate balance act, but I think that's what leaders are called to do is to help us to kind of see what's next to, to look toward the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned vision. Um, a little bit. Uh, do you have a vision for how um, Mennonite Church USA can more readily embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion? Um, and and, and uh, if that were not enough, um, how how does this relate to racism in the church? Yeah, I mean, I do have a vision for that. I think you know, as a leader, you you do have to have a vision. Uh, part of that vision is really just helping us to live into. Um, who we say we are as a, as a peace church. And so really uh, embracing our Anabaptist uh, theology, our Anabaptist roots and looking at, you know, all of the things that, that, that they did, uh, you know, all the risks that they were willing to take, uh, you know, based on, on their faith at the time. And so it's really part of that vision is just challenging the church to be who it says it's, uh, it, who it claims to be, uh, to live into that vision. And so witnessing to God's peace, uh, helping people to experience the transformation of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, being centered, uh, you know, in the life of Christ. Uh, those, those are those are really three real simple things that uh, we, we can focus on as a as a denomination. And then we'll continue to just to, to work on our systems and and train people to help them uh, understand what uh, diversity and inclusion is all about. Uh, and then then you know, giving them the training and resources that are necessary to. Uh, to move into that, uh, empowering leaders of, co- of color, mm-hmm. uh, uh, making those connections in the church. We have a number of different programs where we, we do some of these things. 
and you know it takes time right it's it's hard work it takes time uh you know hopefully me being in this role will inspire uh, more leaders of color to to feel like they have a place uh in the in the church right um yeah and so you know we just have to continue to work at it, at it uh you know racism you know will continue to exist uh but I continue to challenge the systems uh, it, it's always it's always kind of difficult to to do that uh especially when they're they're not like a lot of you uh to work at these things uh so I have you know a diverse team diverse staff uh just intentionally diverse um so I just want to yeah just continue to kind of model what I expect and and just continue to work at these things breaking down barriers where I can you know sometimes it's a little challenging because you can't um battle all the time so you have to choose your battles wisely in these in these roles and sometimes it's exhausting i mean it can really be be tiring and and the good people right the good people in the church just don't realize how sometimes how racist they can be how oppressive they can they can be Uh, but you just have to push through those things yeah yeah um so this is a question i ask a a lot of um on the podcast um how would you respond if someone said that you were a bad Mennonite or a bad Christian or a bad executive director of right. MCUSA if you, uh, for, for caring about what you do, for doing the DEI work? Um, yeah. How, how would you respond? What do people already say that? I'm sure. I mean, sure. <laughs> plenty of people that say that all the time. Well, first of all, I just kind of ignore those people. I kind of stay off social media and stay off some of those things. So I don't, I don't lead based on uh, re- reacting to uh, that negative cri- criticism. Sure. Um, and also, again, you know, I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. Uh, I do expect some resistance, you know, as we we do do this work. Again, you know, you think about the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wasn't happy about the work that they were doing. Everyone wasn't on the same page. As you right. think about the early Anabaptists, they they uh, got a lot of criticism and, and they got death, right? So I'm I'm still alive and well, and they and they pay me. Uh, that's a good thing. You know, it's just amazing to me that the church is just so fearful of someone writing a bad post about them or someone calling them a name or someone calling them bad. Yeah. Uh, it should really be like, who cares? Right. I mean, I, and I say that in a nice way, like who, who, who really cares? You know, you think of me, think about me, what you want to think about me. You know, I, I will listen to people that I think have wisdom. Uh, you know, if I make mistakes, I want to own those mistakes. And sometimes I do get things wrong, but that's why I surround my people myself with people who will challenge me, people that aren't just, you know, yes people, but people that are, that are smart, that will be critical of the decisions that I make, uh, people that I, I trust their, their wisdom and insight. And I, and I try to reflect on uh, comments when I hear things. Uh, part of what helps is really hiring a diverse team of people, uh, people that don't think exactly the way you, you do. So then when I say something, they'll say, hey, like, is this what you meant? Or this is how this is coming across. And I'll be like, okay, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Maybe I need to change this language. Sometimes I say, no, I want this to hit like this. I want it to land just like that. Um, but sometimes, I, you know, I do say things or think things and it may have some unintended consequences, but I have good people around me to hopefully catch some of those, uh, those faux pas. Yeah, sure. Um, as you were talking, I never really put this together, um, but I, I have been reading and hearing about like how our fear of being called bad um, or like that we're a bad person um, or that we're racist um, often is 
it is greater than our fear for actually doing and saying racist things. And that we're kind of, kind of like weaponizing our own sense of like rightness or goodness. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I hadn't thought about that before with like this, this, this sense of like being bad. Yeah. I don't know. I, I grew up in the, in the eighties with Michael Jackson. So, he, you know, he had that whole song about he, he's bad. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, you know, it's, I, I grew up in a different time too. I mean, but it's some. I shouldn't say that. Cause like it's some older people, right? Some of these older people are really sensitive. Oh, I can't believe they said that. Or, uh, I got some criticism. We got some criticism on the, the title for a, a new curriculum that we've come up with the abolition curriculum. And yeah, so the, yeah. the title has defund the police, but it has a question mark. Right. And so some people were like, oh, is that is that title just too, is it going to turn some people off? Is it going to be too harsh? You know, huh. should it be, you know, should it be nicer? I'm like, maybe. But <laughs> for one thing, if the title is just going to turn you off, you probably aren't going to do anything that's in the curriculum anyway. Right. Is, is, are we pushing the button a little bit? Yeah, maybe, maybe because we want you to think through these things and, and think critically about uh, what this means for your faith journey. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so we we need to do a little bit better, right? About these words. I it's, I don't know. It's I don't want to be insensitive to it. I, I understand. I, I come from again a different generation, but sometimes we just focus on how things are said more so that, than the change that needs mm-hmm. to happen in the situation. We just want to say it nicely, and uh, Mennonites known for being pretty passive aggressive, and, and that's not me. People keep look, people keep saying people keep saying you know it's just it's just so refreshing you know it's just it's just really clear which I think it really means man you're just really blunt you just say whatever <laughs> is on your mind that's what that's what they really want to say but even like yeah it's just you just they really say, clear about what you said what you say they're they're complimenting your directness in a very <laughs> indirect way <laughs> that's, yes, that's, that's exactly so great. that's exactly that Pretty Mennonite, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And people say that all the time. So I know, like, I, I know who I am. I, I realize that. I realize that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any? You know, I, I, don't, I don't have time to, like, to lie and make up stuff. Because I got too right. much stuff going on. I don't have time to be trying to think about what I said, didn't say. So I figured I'd just say what I meant. meant. And then if somebody says, well, did you say that? I can like, yeah, I said that. You know, it's so much easier than me trying to figure out, wait a minute, what did I say to this group? What did I say to that group? Now, yeah. I just say the same thing. And then it just it makes my life so much easier. Right. As a, as a sensitive person, I go back and forth. Like I know that my feelings are my own and I am, I am responsible for them and no one can make me feel anything. So I appreciate directness. Um, but I think that there, that people mix up directness with like brutal honesty. And my favorite (laughs) phrase is brutal honesty is only an excuse to be brutal. Um, And I think it's true, but like, you can be direct without being brutal. You can be direct in a kind and intentional way. You know, it's not either like, oh, I'll say whatever's on my mind and it can right. probably be cruel or like, oh, I'll just skirt around and kind of say what I want and be very passive. Right. Um, drives me nuts also. Um, yeah. There is there is the middle ground. And that's hard as, as a leader. I mean. Well, you know, I, I think I've had to mature some. So I, I would say that <laughs> uh, 1988 Glenn might, might be a little bit more brutal and insensitive, but, you know, I've tried to learn and grow uh, on how I communicate. Uh, I have a, I have a younger version of myself, my, my daughter, I feel like she's the younger version of myself. <laughs> and I, I listen to her talk. Like sometimes I'm like, man, that sounds just like me at 20 years old. I'm thinking like, you know, she just like, she's going to tell you if you're wrong about something, she's going to let you know. And she's yeah. going to let you know that she is right. And I think like, man, that was me at 20. And now I'm kind of like, I don't have to let everybody know everything, you know, mm-hmm. that's coming out of my head. I don't have to tell everybody that they're wrong. <laughs> 
sometimes people can figure it out on on you know on their own. But you know, I do want to be like if I say something to you, I want it to be genuine mm-hmm. and to be what um, you know it to be what I really mean. Uh, but sometimes I realize sometimes you don't you don't need to say anything. You just say, oh, okay. You know, sometimes silence is better. So uh, I, I do practice that sometimes. I don't I don't comment on everything, and I kind of let people find their way. And if someone is sensitive, I do, I do try to be sensitive to that. Uh, I've, I've learned how to be a little bit more uh, empathetic uh, as I've as I've matured as a leader. Yeah. Well, there's also like I mean, talking about leadership, like there's also the role of of the prophet. I mean, the prophet says wild yeah. things that people need to hear, um, yeah. and it usually does not make people very happy. That's my right. first right. my first. Um, sermon at Bonneville Mennonite Church I, I talked about. Um, I think I used Jeremiah, the like fire yeah. in my bones. and Yeah, yeah. Or, um, or maybe it was when Jesus talked about the, how the prophet is not welcome in their own hometown. Mm-hmm. I forget which one. But okay. basically, I was like, I might say things that you are not going to like. Mm-hmm. And my goal is not to tell you how to think. Yeah, um, yeah. My goal is to encourage you to yeah. use your critical thinking skills to provide resources. Um, how, how did that go over? <laughs> uh actually pretty well i'm still there i haven't okay. been tired yet yeah. uh so um no it, it went over okay uh, you, you know i think leaders should just lead like you're gonna get fired anyway right <laughs> like no just like I'm, I'm, you know i don't want to lead where i'm worried about somebody's gonna fire me not that you are reckless right yeah but don't don't lead in a way that's you just leading to keep your job that's not i don't think that's healthy yeah, true. That can hold you back. Keep, keep speaking up, speaking up. I, I would tell them, this is what I would say, is that yeah. like, look, y'all are grown. You you all are adults. I can't <laughs> tell you how to think. I just want to give you some, some perspective. That's that's how I would say it. So do you have any advice or final words for our viewers and listeners? Other than I, I would, that everyone needs to go and check out your book. Yeah, um, give my books. Amazon. Write me a review. I would love yeah, that. There you go. Well, good. Well, well, I hope that, you know, we have pastors that are willing to lead, right? Not just manage. And so, mm-hmm. lead, you know, take take risk. I think that we have to take risk as leaders, uh, challenge our people, uh, you know, even challenge our understanding of, of uh, you know, how we read and interpret the Bible. Mm-hmm. I think we can all fall into this tradition trap and we can just kind of repeat things that we've we've heard uh, and just kind of just just go about doing church. But we need to think critically about uh, our faith. Uh, we need to challenge our members to do that. Uh, we need to to lead, challenge the the status quo, and and uh, not you know you know I don't tell you don't, don't worry about your job because we all have to eat and get paid. But really, you know, don't don't lead from fear. Lead from a place of of strength and, and knowledge. And uh, of course, I, I have a number of years under my belt, so I can do that maybe more than some of the younger pastors. But you know, one thing that you'll never regret is being yourself. Uh, you know, don't, don't try to assume a role and try to be someone you, you aren't, you know, be who you are and your skills and will grow and develop as you grow and develop, uh, but be who you are. And, uh, you know, don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to lead like someone, like anyone else, but be, be yourself. And I think you'll, you'll never regret that as a, as a leader and you'll be able to, uh, put your head down on your pillow at night and, and, and get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Glenn. Um, well, what it, we often end with a blessing. Would it be okay if I bless you, Glenn, and all our viewers and listeners? Yes, yes. I would appreciate that. Um, well, Glenn and viewers and listeners, um, may you go out with this spirit that Glenn mentioned of um, being yourself, of authenticity, of speaking with clarity, speaking your mind, Um, not leading out of fear, but leading with a spirit of 
of courage and vulnerability. Um, go in that courage. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Mariah. I yeah, thank you, Glenn, for being on. It's been a pleasure. All right. You have a great day. All right. Thanks. That's all for this episode of Called to be Bad. Keep being your bad, beautiful selves, and I will see you next time.